Hi, thank you for listening to Trinity San Diego Podcast. If this is your first time tuning in with us, we want you to know that you are loved. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message will encourage you. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, you can partner with us to reach others by investing at trinitysandiego.org. Thanks once again. Now here's Pastor Todd. Yes, come on. I love it. I love it. I love the energy in the atmosphere and the energy in the room. Uh, it's so much fun. Uh, considering the topic that I'm going to talk about, this is going to be amazing. Uh, how great today is. If, you, if this is your first time, I want to welcome you. My name is Todd. Uh, I'm the lead pastor here with my bride who you met ago. And one thing I do want to encourage you about that video that we showed. Um, Katie and I might have been talking. But the thing is, is we might have been talking, but we were talking on behalf of the church because we believe that the church is about unity, correct? This isn't, Todd and Katie are not the figurehead of this church. I'm just going to get that straight. We are not the figurehead of this church. You want to know who the figurehead is of this church? Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus. So when we are sitting and chatting on an interview, what we're doing is we're saying we're proud of what our church is doing here at Trinity San Diego. Who's excited for what God's doing? <laughs> Man, I've seen miracle, breakthrough, um, I, I'm, I'm driving a miracle, hello. Um, God is just so good to us in this house, and um, really I believe that, that we need to have a ministry in the church and a mission in the world, and so our goal for us from, to you is to go and equip you and empower you into being the greatest leader and person that you can be, and that's why we say fill things out like connect cards, because we do have a free gift that we want to give you uh, if this is your first time but also we want to make sure that you get connected. And the other thing is in Next Steps, my wife touched on it briefly. Next Steps is a simple course that takes about 15 to 20 minutes. It happens in that east foyer right there. We'll sit down together. It'll happen about 15 to 20 minutes after this experience. And what we're going to do is we're going to sit down. We're going to chat about this church. We're going to, you can learn more about this church so that what, that, what, what this can happen is that you can partner with us and um, it will really give you an opportunity to discover your purpose so that you can make a difference, okay? So we really want to encourage you to do that. And then last but not least, um, it is a big game today. And what we've created is a talking point for you to take to some Super Bowl, Super Bowl parties, all right? Um, these are something that they call uh, in the world prop bets. And so they're kind of, it's a fun little game. Anytime I've had a Super Bowl party, uh, I have brought these out, um, and it's really fun. And it's, you know, simple things that anyone can answer. You don't have to be a foot. I mean, you know me. I love football. I am like a f passion. I've coached football uh, collegiately on the high school level. But you don't have to know football to know these things. It's, these are yes, no questions. Like, how long will Gladys Knight sing the national anthem, you know, over a minute 50 or under, you know, I mean, like it's fun stuff like that. Take this to your Super Bowl party. Enjoy. Have a great time. Uh, who's cheering for the Patriots today? Woo! Who's cheering for the Rams today? Woo! We are an LA crowd. Who is uh, cheering for the food today? Woo! Who's just really wanting good commercials? Yeah! Come on. All right. Well, I'm so excited to bring the word to you today. And again, if this is your first time, I just want to say welcome home. We'd hope that you'd join us again here in the coming weeks. Uh, February is a great month. It's known as the Love Month. Uh, 18 years ago this month, I met my wife. 
and uh, I'm so excited. We dated for four years before we got married, and I'm so excited to talk about maybe some of the experiences that I've walked through with her. But we're in a, uh, a new collection of talks titled Best Blank Ever. So we're going to talk about best love ever. We're going to talk about best communication ever. We're going to talk about best sex ever. Hello. We're going to talk about best dating ever. I believe that the church, that really, I truly believe that the church, the enemy is trying to steal what God has created. And I'm going to preach already. The enemy is trying to steal what God has created. God created sex. Okay? Just FYI. If you didn't know that, that's, that's, that happened. God created sex. God created marriage. That was his identity. That was his idea. It wasn't my idea. It wasn't your idea. This was God's idea. And so what's happened is the enemy has gone and taken the thing that God called sacred, and what he's done is he's flipped it around, and it's, and it's become more of a divisive topic. But I believe the church needs to speak into some of these topics rather than shutting our eyes and going, oh, I don't believe in that. No, what we want to do is we want to address the situation because when we, I see a problem with my children, what do I do? I don't go, oh, that's okay. Have a good time. No, I address it. I say, I want to address this issue. So that's why we're taking these next four weeks and we're going to talk about something that, that really is important and that's relationships. And I hope to really set up this collection of talks very uh, on a good foundation. So are you with me? You're going to have to talk back to me today. Um, so my title today uh, for best, it's best love ever, and, and, and what its specific title is, if you're taking notes, lasting love, lasting love. Let's pray uh, today. Jesus, we love you. We're so grateful that there's a game that we can celebrate, but we're even more grateful that there's a Savior we can celebrate, and um, that you came down from heaven to meet with us, and we're just so grateful that we have uh, life and life um, worth living because of your son. I'm reminded of that old song um, that, that I can face tomorrow because you live. Uh, because you live, all fear is gone. So God, we love you today. Be with us. Who cares who wins the Super Bowl? Let us have a great time. In your name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, I uh, am preaching about this topic and what this topic can do can cause a little bit of anxiety in people and tension when you're talking about this idea of lasting love or permanent love. And so I'm going to give you just some really simple things. And But before I do, I want to encourage you to check in on Facebook. And let's give it up for our Facebook family. Hey, Facebook fam. People all over the world tune in via that Facebook Live. But uh, we're going to focus on this specific collection of talks, or not just, just this talk about the Song of Solomon. And this is a book that the son of King David uh, wrote. His name is Solomon, obviously. And, and really, it's what human love is supposed to look like. God created a way that human love is supposed to look like. And when you follow God's ways, it works, honestly. When you follow God's principles and ways, it works. And so oftentimes we wonder why things aren't working. Oftentimes it's because of the fact that we aren't working God's principles. God's principles were designed for us to work because when you work His principles, they work. And this book known as Song of Solomon can be really difficult to understand. It can be a challenge to understand on many levels because it's giving pictures and phrases that we don't always understand or we comprehend. It'd be like me, I'm originally from Seattle, it'd be like 
like me telling you about Seattle and you've never actually been there. You know, so when they're talking about mountains and flocks of goats and different things like that, in those, in that terminology, we can't identify. We don't really always understand that. But I want to give you uh, just some fun and kind of lighthearted. How about I give you Song of Solomon 4, 1 through 6 in the new San Diego version? Can I do that to make it a little lighthearted for you? Okay, so it says, how beautiful you are, oh darling. How beautiful. Your eyes behind your veil are like an illuminated scratch-free screen of a new iPhone 10. You know, I mean, like, I'm just trying to give you some practical wisdom and some practical understanding. Let's go on to the next verse. It says, uh, your hair is like syrup flowing down off a mountain of pancakes from the pancake house. You know, that's, I mean, just to be real, we want to make sure that, that we're lighthearted here. I'm not doling down the scripture, but I want to make it practical for you. Amen? It says, your teeth are like a Titleist Pro V1. If you didn't know, those are golf balls. Your teeth are like Titleist Pro V1 straight out of a new sleeve. Hello. And it says, each has a twin and none of them stand alone. How many know a, a mouthful of teeth is a good thing? That's what he's saying. He's celebrating her here. It says, your lips are like scarlet fenders of a Tesla Model S. Your mouth is lovely. Your temples behind your veil are like two slices of thick cut applewood bacon. Come on. I'm making some people hungry already. Get ready. It gets even better. It says bacon. All right. You got to go to Connect Group to understand that one. Uh, your neck is like the Lombardi Super Bowl trophy. Tall, lean, and the, every, and the envy of everyone in the land. Come on. Oh, come on. That was good. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. Now we're going to get really risky. It says your breasts are like two cakes from extraordinary desserts. Perfectly frosted and worth the wait. Hello. Until the day breaks and the shadows flee, I will go to the mountain of Sephora and the hill of essential oil. No, I'm just kidding. In all seriousness, I, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to give you uh, really a modern day understanding of what they were writing about with Song of Solomon. That, that this was a couple that were writing back and forth. It goes through courtship. Um, it goes through a bunch of different things. But I believe that I have one job to do today. One simple job. And I'm committed by God to communicate this word to you and to really give you hope and to have you go away from here feeling uh, different, feeling better, that you are filled up, that I desire to bring you life into something that can be such a challenging topic as love because love affects everyone. Whether we've been hurt or whether we've been helped, or uh, love affects each and every single one of us in a variety of different ways. And so that we see what, what's happening here in Song of Solomon. It's really the back and forth between the couple, the man and the woman, back and forth. And then all also, there's some friends that are involved. And if you're fearful about kind of some of these topics, I probably would encourage you come all four weeks to really press in because what happens is when something's stirring in your spirit, when you feel like it's, it's, it, it kind of makes you uncomfortable, it's probably something that we need to address. Honestly, it's probably something that you need to address inside. And so when, when I say the word sex, if that freaks you out, you should probably come on the week we're going to talk about sex. Because what that will do is it will, gave, it will give you peace because so often these topics that we discuss are so fearful of, uh, that, that we're going to create a divide. But I believe that God created sex to bring man and woman together under the covenant of marriage. And so with that being said, there's this back, back and forth dating, courtship, marriage. And I believe that this can apply not just to marriage, but I believe that this can apply to friendships. I believe the principles that I'm going to teach today, friendships, uh, relationships, at work, I believe that this is just a practical principle that everyone can apply.
apply. But one thing I do want to say is two of the eight chapters are about disagreeing. Interesting, right? Two of the eight chapters in Song of Solomon are actually about disagreements. They're actually struck. So like when you think about that, disagreeing is okay, but it's, it's not good to just stay there. You need to have a resolution. You need to figure that out. So um, what we're doing is right now is we're, we're going to dive into chapter 7, and we're going to talk about lasting love in chapter 7, uh, verses 1. So the man is speaking. Solomon is speaking. The, uh, it will be on your screen as well. It says, how beautiful. Okay, we're talking about lasting love. So I really want to make sure that you get this. But it says, how beautiful are your sandal sandaled feet? Think about that for a moment. This man, they're up, they're 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 on their their upside in age. What he's doing is he's establishing that even things that most people, I mean, like really feet. I mean, I know we have some weird people in the world, but feet. Honestly, he's saying when you read this passage, it says it says how beautiful are your sandaled feet. He's showing us something that others don't find attractive that this man finds attractive in his own wife, in his own spouse, in that other person. And over the course of time, there are things that, that I have developed a love for Katie about that didn't stop or that didn't start at year one. It might have started at year 10. And that's the thing with love is you have to understand that, that you start appreciating different things in different seasons about that person. You start to understand them a little bit different. You start to, to, to really dive into who they are and really come together in that way. And it says... Um, it says, O princess daughter, your graceful legs are like jewels, the work of an artist's hands. When you think about that, that God created every single one of us in his image. I, we celebrate Night to Shine for a reason, because he created everyone in his image. There's no one that has a difference that we can't celebrate, right? Yeah. I believe that God deserves, or not God deserves, we deserve to celebrate all people because they're created in God's image. That doesn't mean that you believe like them. Or behave like them, but that what what that does mean is that we celebrate them because God created them, and I believe that we need to celebrate one another. We need to celebrate our relationships. We have in this world we have so many people that are causing divides by their language rather than bringing people together by their love. And what we need to do is we need to start bringing people together by our love and letting out of our language saying, I love you, I care for you, I believe in you, I'm proud of you. That we need to start having some uplifting language rather than tearing down, being frustrated with our spouse. We need to start looking at things like, oh, princess daughter, your graceful legs are like jewel, the work of an artist's hands. God created your wife. Regardless of you being frustrated with whatever you're frustrated with, get over it. Honestly, get over it. God created her. She's amazing. Love her the way that she deserves to be loved, fellas. Honestly, be kind to her. Song of Solomon 7, 11 through 12, it says, Come, my beloved, let us go for the, to the countryside. What they're saying is, even though we're up in age, it's time to go on a trip. And one thing I would encourage you to do, if you're married, is to go on a trip together. A few years ago, Katie and I are going on a trip here in a few... Uh, wow, that was good. You're happy for me. Hello. <laughs> Good. Hopefully that's after the best sex ever week. I'm kidding, people. <laughs> but this is what I'm saying, okay? They, they, every once in a while, it's good to go on a trip with, with your significant other. Get rid of the kids. Find a sitter. And there was a time where it was Easter, and I wanted to surprise Katie. We were living here. Um, and I just felt in my heart like, I just let's just go get away. Let's, let's go have a good dinner somewhere. Hello, who likes food? Um, and go, let's go have a nice dinner. So we went to La Jolla. We had a nice dinner. We sat down, and we just had a good time being a couple. And this is what this couple is doing. It's saying, come, my beloved. Let us go 
to the countryside. Let us spend the night in the village. Let us go early to the vineyards to see if the vines have budded and if they have blossoms that have opened. When do uh, blossoms open? Springtime. So this is the thing. This was in the spring. So this group of people, this husband and wife, they were in the winter of their life, meaning they were kind of on the back end, but they were still enjoying the springtime moments. That's the thing, is we can be in the older side of life, but we still need to enjoy the springtime moments with our, with our significant other, with our spouse, with our wife, with our boyfriend, with our girlfriend, with our friends. We need to still enjoy moments even with our friends. Today, you're going to go and eat some hot wings and go watch a football game. Enjoy those moments. Don't go and try to move on to the next thing. Enjoy the moment. Stay present and stay engaged right there. And I think that that's why we have a lot of problems in our world is because we don't stay present and engaged in the moment. We're thinking about the next thing that we have to do. And I think that why marriages start to crumble is because they aren't looking at what's in front of them. They're looking at what's past them. They're looking at work. They're looking at their friendships. They're looking at their bank accounts. And they're forgetting that God knit you together in your mother's womb to love that person that is right in front of you. God wants you to be together in a relationship. Amen? Amen. And so it says, and if the pomegranates are in bloom, there I will give you my love. So let me say it like this. Those passages of scripture. For relationships to work, it takes work. Oh, there there weren't enough amens there. Come on, I'm working up here, people. Come on, for relationships to work, it takes work. I didn't just say marriages, right? I didn't just say marriages. I said relationships. Because it takes hard work to get things done and to really help your relationship work. You have to work at it. You know, it wouldn't be a message if I didn't fo- you know, get football in or working out. And so I, I, my, one of my illustrations is, is that in order for me to lift a lot of weight over here, okay, I can't start lifting a lot of weight, Right? I got to put the work in. I got to put the work in. So if I want to deadlift 500 pounds, I don't know if I could do that. That's I don't even I don't even lift out knowing that. But if I, but I can't go just starting at 500. I got to start at 225. I got to start at 135. I may just have to start by squatting. Honestly. So in order for you to get to the the relationship that you desire, what you have to do is be willing to put in the work on this side in order for you to get to this point of what you really desire. You know, we're watching football today. And let me tell you, those guys, they're playing one game today. You know how many times they've practiced for this one game? I mean, think about that for a moment. They're practicing, literally, for the last two weeks, they've been practicing nonstop since their divisional round. Two weeks they've practiced for 60 minutes of a football game. You know, I'm always impressed as a football coach that we practice four times for every one game. Four times for every one game. So you've got to tell me that if I want my marriage to work and have a great relationship, guess what? I'm going to have to get into a couple's connect group. I'm going to have to go to counseling from time to time and get real and be willing to take off the mask and say, you know what? I've made some mistakes. I'm not proud of it. Maybe you're sitting in this room and you're not proud of what you've given in your marriage. Well, friends, it's never too late to begin again. All you have to do is say, Baby, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Can we start new? You know, I think some of the greatest things a man can say to a woman would, please forgive me. Because we have a tendency to be so prideful 
that we don't necessarily want to say, forgive me. And I think that women, when you receive us, when we're saying, forgive me, there's power there. And what happens is unity comes together. So one thing I looked at from these passages of Scripture is that you, I want you to notice two things in this whole book. Two things that are not brought up. Are you ready? Yep. Are you with me? Yes. I promise. Yes. Okay, just checking. I want to make sure you're not looking at the pregame. Um, so these two things that, that are not in this book. Children and job. Children and job. And so often we get so caught up with our children and our job that what we do is we ignore the relationship that is in front of us. We spend more time, and I know we have to work. I'm not so crazy to think that we don't have to work. I spend a lot of time with my bride because we work together and we're at home together. I love it. But not everyone has that luxury. We didn't have that luxury for years. But what I would say is, is that when we, when we take so much time and we focus on work and our children and we miss the intimacy in between our relationship, we're missing the mark in our relationship. Because what we need to do as followers of Jesus is we need to understand that God put us together for a reason. Okay? And we can't focus so much on the children and our job that we miss the person that's right in front of us. So there are times where you need to take the smartphone and you need to set it down and you need to have 15 minutes of FaceTime where you just need to go shoulder to shoulder and just talk. Not through text message, not through Instagram. You actually need to talk. And you need to put Netflix down and you need to get in front of each other and talk. Maybe you have a cup of coffee. Maybe you have a glass of hot water with lemon. That's what we've been doing lately to try to be healthy. Whatever that is, find the connection point and get there. I'm sick of people desiring to be connected, but they don't want to talk to their significant other. You have to talk to one another in order for the, I mean, I can't expect to go grow closer with her if I don't communicate with her. I can't expect to grow closer to God if I'm not willing to talk to him. So often we're like, oh, God, move, but you never talk to me. How do I know the desires of your heart? Honestly, she can't know my desire if I don't ever communicate with her. And so we have to be intentional about that. So don't let kids and your work get, us, uh, get in between you and your wife or you and your relationships. Amen? Yeah. I believe that our first ministry is at home. Is at home. So I'm sorry to say, if I don't call you back right away, it might be because... I'm loving my child or I'm loving my wife sure. because there's priorities in my life and I love what goes on in my life, but take away the ministry and all that matters is my family. My family is my number one priority and we do our best as pastors to love you and to follow as, as greatly as we can, but my first ministry and our first ministry is always at home. And so when I get down on the floor and I get to play with Carter, I have to play dress up with Kennedy and she tries to put makeup on me. Yes, that's real, people. Come on. I'm just being authentic and honest. We want to make sure that our kids know that, that they spend a lot of time here. We were here last, yesterday for a couple hours preparing the house for this day. And why were we doing that? Because we want it to be great for our family, which is you guys. But our kids spend a lot of time here. And so we always are trying to be protective and be mindful that our first ministry is always at home. Hello, let's continue. Song of Solomon. And I think it's important that I'm transparent with that. I don't think it would be good or a due diligence that if I didn't model what I'm preaching. Because I expect you to, have, uh, to be at home with your kids, at home with your spouse, connecting with one another. We want to model it for ourselves as well. So Song of Solomon 8.5 
Your six, it says, who is this? So all of a sudden, now the friends are admiring that they went on a trip. And this is the thing about this, is when you've been with Jesus, when you are with Jesus, people notice. There was no amen there, and that makes me really sad. Think about it. When you have been with Jesus, people recognize that. People recognize the joy that's inside of your heart. They recognize a peace that's inside of who you are. And, and what I believe is that we need to let our light shine. The Bible, the, the, the Bible strictly says that we shouldn't hide our light. We should let it shine for all to see. Amen? And so people should be attracted by you or attracted to you. And I'm not talking about physical beauty. I'm talking attracted to you because of who Jesus is inside of you. And if people are running from you, you probably should check your own self. Just be honest. Check yourself. Check yourself. Because we want to be attractional. The reason I believe Night to Shine is so amazing is because it's about Jesus and that's it. It's not about opinions of people. It's not about opinions of, of what people are wearing. It's about Jesus and celebrating people. I want to see church more like that. I want to see people in the world love the way that we love during Night to Shine. And that's why we do it every single day. We're a church that loves one another. Song of Solomon. Let's keep going. And it says, who is this? So they recognized him. Coming up from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved. So now she's talking. Under the apple tree, I roused you. There, uh, there your mother conceived you. They, uh, there she said, or she, sorry, got a little excited. There she who was in labor gave, birth, gave you birth. Place me, now this is important. Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death, and its jealousy unyielding as the grave. This is why I gave you the new San Diego version, so you could understand this. It burns like a blazing fire, like a mighty flame. That seal is a commitment. You know, I wear this ring every day of my life. The only time I don't wear it is when I work out and when I shower. The only two times I do not wear this, because this is a seal. This is a commitment to that woman right there. It's a commitment. I'm proud of the ring that I wear. When she gave it to me on July 30th, 2005, I keep it everywhere I go because it's so important to me. It's a commitment. It's lasting forever. And so that seal that she's saying is make a seal, make a commitment to me. I want to make sure that you're committed to me and committed to me till death. That's why it says it right here, unyielding as the grave. That's where we get in the vows, till death do us part. So... I want to give you a few practical insight. I'm going to speed through these, so get ready. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to write this down. Number one, lasting love is permanent. Lasting love is permanent. And I want to stop to say to those who have been divorced, um, or maybe you're going through a divorce, uh, I want to say, let the past be the past. I want to say I'm sorry. But this is the thing, is you don't have to take that into the future. Okay? Jesus wants to cover us, cleanse us, take care of us, whether it was your doing or whether it was something else that happened. I, I, whenever I say love is permanent, I can sense the tension in the air because of what that talks about. And I want to go and pull that all down. And I want to I say that Jesus forgives, he heals, and there's all things that are made new. And, and to me, I want to say is that, is that this idea of love is permanent. Um, one thing I will say is it's hard to have love that is permanent if divorce is on the table, ever. Katie and I have been through a whole lot of stuff. And what I would tell you is divorce has never been on the table. Maybe murder. I'm kidding. <laughs> never divorce. Divorce has never been an option for us at all because it's never on the table. So whenever we've had a disagreement, guess what? We never bring it up. It's not worth it. 
It doesn't bring us any closer bringing up the D word. Honestly, we just leave that there and we move on. So if you've been divorced, guess what? You're not going to be divorced again. If you've been married 30 times, your 31st is going to stick forever because you're going to, Jesus makes all things new. And so I want to say, be healed in Jesus' name of the past. This day forward, you're going to do it God's way. So here, uh, or so he goes into here and saying it in Psalm, I'm sorry, not Psalm, Song of Solomon 8, 7. It says, I love what he says that, about permanent love. Many waters cannot quench love, meaning nothing can come between us. Rivers cannot wash it away. If one were to give all the wealth in its house for love, it would be utterly scorned. He's saying no money, no amount of money is worth my love for you. He's saying no matter what, there's no price tag on your love. My love is permanent, that nothing's going to come against our love. No issues, no challenges, no arguments, no frustrations, nothing. And all the married people, you understand this. You said amen. amen. Because you're going to have trouble. Yeah, thank God you said amen. It's only the newly ones that the newlyweds that don't think they're going to have trouble. Oh, I met the perfect one. Look at our Instagram. It's beautiful. You know what I mean? Like, honestly, just give it a year. Give it some time. You're going to have some challenges. It's okay. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. But you know what? When you understand that love is permanent, you aren't worried about the idea that it's not going to be permanent. You're making a commitment to one another. Number two. Number two. The next step is lasting love is persevering. Lasting love is persevering. And when hard things in life happens, we're going to have to learn to get closer. You're going to have to pers persevere. There's no need for commitment if you don't want to be committed to it. There's no need for commitment if you don't want to be committed to it. And commitment is something that you really need when you're not happy. <laughs> Honestly. Because if I'm happy, I don't necessarily need to be reminded about being committed to something, right? I don't need to be reminded if my marriage is going great. I don't need to be reminded if to, be, to be committed because I'm just happy. It's when our marriages are on the rocks. It's when our jobs are in trouble. It's when things are going awry that that's where we actually need to be commitment. Commitment means I'm willing to work on it for a while to figure things out. To figure things out. I'm not going to bail. And this has to be the fabric of your relationship. This has to be the fabric of who you are. Now the friends are speaking here in Song of Solomon 8, 8 and 9. It says, we have a little sister. So now they're reflecting on the little sister. And it says, this is the big reveal about the friends that are talking. It's her brothers. And it says, and her breasts are not yet grown. Does that make you uncomfortable? It shouldn't. We're all adults here. What shall we do for our sister on the day she is spoken for? So what should we do for our sister on the wedding day? If she's a wall, we'll build towers of silver, silver on them. That silver is signified in a marriage relationship. It's what they did during the marriage in Bible times. It says, if she's a door, we will enclose her uh, with panels of cedar. And, they're, of cedar. and they're saying, basically, if she makes good decisions, we're going to honor her, and we're going to honor what she does. If she makes bad decisions... What we're going to do is we're going to go and we're going to be a family and we're going to protect her. That's the beauty of family, that we protect one another. That's the beauty of connect groups, that you connect with one another. You get connected together. And so when we're walking through stuff, I can recognize, okay, I, I, Lucas is like my spiritual son. And I can recognize when something's going awry in Lucas. So what I can do is I can call it out. It's not negative, but what it is, is it's saying, I love you, Lucas. I care for you. I, am, I believe the greatest things are for you. And I believe that you want, need to be elevated to what God has created. So if I saw some behavior, I never see it because Lucas is a stand-up guy. But if I ever have to do it, I'm willing to do it because I want to see him better. And that's a commitment that I have to him and he has to me. Because ultimately, we need each other, right? 
The church is about unity and we need one another. And I believe that you need to have accountability. You need to have accountability. And the reason you have to have accountability is so that you can persevere. Um, you know, I give Katie anything. She has any access to anything she wants. She can look at my phone. She can look at my Facebook message. She can look at whatever she wants. Because I believe that I need to be transparent in my love. And I have access to anything that she wants. Why? Because it's important. Because we have to be accountable to one another because our commitment is together so that we can go and do everything that God has called us to do. He wants our relationship to be intact. Number three, I told you I was going to speed through these. Lasting love is protective. When Katie and the kids aren't home, or when Katie's not home, and she says she's going to be home at a specific time, okay, I don't, you know, I, and she's not there, kind of makes me nervous. Why? You might go, oh, well, that sounds like you're just like so restrictive. And no, 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 no. It's called protective. It's called protective. When my kids, when I, ha when I have someone at the playground trying to go off on my kids, I don't go, oh, that's okay. You just yell at them. Have a good life. No, I go straight up like crazy. I get crazy eyes. I get the crazy preacher eyes. And I'm like, don't you talk to my kid that way. You know, you start to twitch to really freak them out. The, the, the fact of the matter is, is that real love is protective. It's not restrictive. It's protecting that, that person because you love them. I don't know if she had a flat tire and she needs my help. I don't know if her cell phone died. I, I don't know. So I'm going to go into protective mode because I want my relationship to persevere because I made a commitment in health and wealth, or I'm sorry, in sickness and in health, in poverty and in wealth, no matter what, I'm going to take care of her. And that's the reality that we have to face as humans, as people, is that we need to make a commitment to one another. We need to protect each other. Song of Solomon 8.10b says, Thus I have become in his eyes like one of being content. One of being content. That contentment actually means uh, peace. It's, it's translated shalom. And so they're trying to make sure that they're bringing peace to one another. And you might not, I might not always agree with Katie, you know, we're in marriage. It's real life. I might not always agree, but guess what? When I understand who I'm with, that there will be peace in the relationship. I might not always agree with my kids and Katie and I and our parenting strategies, go, you know, like going and parenting our kids. We might have differences, but we still have peace. Why? Because we're establishing that idea of protective peace over our family. We're going to make sure that we're going to be content in our family. And, and really, let me tell you, when you put God's principles into practice, they work. When you, let peace, when you let the peace of God pass your understanding, it works differently. Amen. Lastly, number four, lasting love is peaceful. It's peaceful. When you follow God's ways, you'll find peace. You don't have less problems, you just have more peace. Oftentimes, we expect we're going to have less problems but friend, let me tell you, you need to have more peace because when you do it God's way, you're going to find more peace. It's very simple. All you have to do. So like when, you know, when, you, when you're talking about your finances, the only way, let me tell you, the only way that it's going to work and to find God's principles into practice is when you are willing to put God's principles into play. Same thing with our own lives. If we want a relationship to work, put God's principles into play in your marriage. Put God's practice in your way in your marriage and you will gain peace. Because you know what? You want more peace? Get closer to God. 
You want more peace? Get connected in a connect group because you'll see one another that help each other out that say, you know what? I have this difference. I'm struggling in this area. Guess what? Let's pray for each other because the Bible says one puts a thousand to flight, but two puts 10,000 to flight. So when we come together, there is power there. And that's why connect groups are so important. They're so important. And I believe that this church is not a church. It's a family. And when you struggle, I struggle. When you have a need, I have a need. There's been so many needs lately in the last 21, 30 days that, that people, there's just been so much struggle. I've talked about the miracles, but let me talk to you about the struggle. There's health issues that have gone around in this church. But let me tell you something. If you're not getting hated on, you're not shaking hell up. And so I truly believe that we're shaking the gates of hell up because of what we're doing at Night to Shine with what we're doing in the city of power because we're willing to shake hell up because we love Jesus that much. Amen. That you, you're going to have a battle at times. But regardless of the battle, you're going to persevere because you have the peace that's found in Jesus. So I want to end with these two thoughts. Number one, love is a choice. Worship team, you can join me. Love is a choice we make every day. I can wake up and I have a choice to love my wife. It's a choice. Colossians 3.14 says it like this, And over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. When you put love on in your relationships, guess what? You have unity there. Because I'm not looking at my need, I'm looking at their need. Because so often, we walk into marriages and we're going, what can I get out of it? And that's the wrong attitude where I need to say, how can I serve that woman? How can I serve that man? How can I love them? Because when we think about it from their perspective and we make a choice to love them, what happens on the other side over here is my needs are met. So when I think about my wife's needs and I'm thinking about her, what happens then is she goes, oh, he loves me so much. He cares more about my needs than his. And she goes, oh, well, I want to love him and I want him to care for, or I want to care for his needs. You see how that works? When you take the lens off of us and you put it onto other people, things begin to shift in the atmosphere. Honestly. Lastly, being, in, or being love gives you the capacity to love. The problem is, is we don't know how to receive love. We don't know how to receive love. And what we do is we try to receive love in a certain way. We try to receive love in a way that might have happened in our past. Someone said that they loved us, but they really did it the wrong way. And then what happens is when we talk to God and God is God of love, you're like, I don't want that love. You don't know what love has done to me in my past. Well, friend, let me tell you, we can't put the love of God in relationship to how we love one another or what has been done to us in the moment or in the past. What we have to do is we have to understand that you have, we sing this, we have an overwhelming, reckless love of God. The reckless love does not mean crazy. It means he will go and do anything for you. Anything for you. He did so much that he sent his son, that God sent his son to die on the cross 2,000 plus years ago out of love. Out of love. Out of love. He didn't do it for any other reason. And you might be sitting here today and you're going, oh, I, you know, you're kind of passionate, you know, and I understand this idea of being in love and I kind of get it. And I'm sitting here today and, I, I, you know, like... I don't know. I don't know about this whole thing. Well, friend, let me tell you right now. I'm going to tell you, it's okay. But you know what will happen is Jesus will continue to stand here and he'll knock. And he'll knock and he'll knock and he'll knock. He's a gentleman. He's not going to kick down a door. He's not going to break and enter. He's just going to wait and knock. And there have been moments and moments and moments that God has, has been putting in your pathway in your pathway for such a time as this on this Super Bowl Sunday, that this was a divine appointment that you're sitting in this seat today. I don't believe in coincidences. I don't believe in luck. 
I don't believe that that's true. I believe in God Almighty, and I believe in divine occasions, and today is one of those. So if you would, bow your heads and close your eyes.